around here at Life Point Church. Welcome to the best Sunday ever. We do two best Sundays ever a year, and we love to give away free stuff. If you didn't get a free shirt yet on your way in, make sure you get one on your way out, and 15 donuts. It's all good. We uh, love donuts around here. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Um, first of all, I have to say something to the band. I know they didn't want to sing The Power of Love, but they did it anyways, and I'm so thankful that they did because they rocked it out really hard, y'all. Come on. You, you, know what, you know what we realized? What we realized was that most of the songs that we all love from the 80s when we were talking about, because it's kind of an 80s theme today, the kids are doing 80s, the shirts kind of look 80s, and so we, we noticed that most of the songs that we liked from the 80s, when we looked at the lyrics, we were like, that's inappropriate at church altogether. And probably that one was too, but it was a little less inappropriate than the other ones that we liked better. I'm a Journey guy, but I loved Huey Lewis and the News as well. So I know the first service said, hey, Huey Lewis and the News fans, and they're like, boo. Oh, y'all got to come at a brother like that, you know what I'm saying? I'll come at you back, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, uh, they did great, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, listen, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I know that a lot of you are going to get a free day off, but it's more than that, y'all, and um, I just want to say, take a moment to honor his life, his legacy, the dreams and the visions that he had. Um, they matter to us, and uh, we are a church that talks about justice a whole lot and uh, we want to carry his dreams on, and we want to fulfill that, not just have a day off tomorrow. But did anybody get a day off tomorrow? Yeah, a couple of you are. Some of you are like, the government shut down. I got a lot of days off. <laughs> and by the way, if that's you, we want to know about that. We really, really want to know about that. Let us know. Let one of our team members know or one of our staff pastors. We want to come alongside of you in that deal. But uh, tomorrow is a great day celebrating a great man, and we are honored uh, we want to honor his life today. One other thing I want to tell you real quickie, quickly is um, uh, many of you know that we're building a building right now down the road. We have nine acres just down this street, two miles down that way. And we broke ground on it a month ago uh, after just a, an enormous nightmare of trying to get through all of the uh, red tape that is involved in building in San Antonio and then, of course, in our county as well. Um, but these guys are hauling, man. They're moving it around. They're making it happen. The pad was ready a couple of weeks ago. We had some rain. Um, but they're out there right now. This, the, today, they're out there right now. And on Saturday, this Saturday, we're going to pour the foundation for that building, which is a big deal, man. It's a big deal. So, yeah. The, the steel building has already been ordered. It's, it's ready to go. We've been kind of holding it off until this gets done. But over the next month, if you pass by there, six weeks, you're going to start seeing that building get erected, and before long, it'll have a roof, and it'll have walls, and then before long, God willing, we'll be in that bad boy, and it'll be an amazing day when we get to go over there. But in the meantime, we're going to rock it out right here. Come on, y'all. Anybody with me on that? Yeah. So, so the series that we're in is called You in Five Years, and what we've been trying to do is think through, um, is, is really ask just two questions. N number one, who am I going to be in five years? 60 months, what's that going to look like for me? And then secondly, who do I want to be in five years? And so the idea is that we dream a little bigger than what you can accomplish in one year. What could you do in five years? And you can do so much in five years. And, and that's where we're at. And, and what we're saying is, where is the right now momentum of your life based on your choices, based on your habits, based on your proclivities? Where is that train going to take you uh, in the next five years? And then the other question is, do you want to be on that? If not, it's time um, to get off. Um, you in five years, what kind, of, what kind of husband or what kind of wife would you like to be? What kind of dad or kind of mom? What kind of employee or employer? What, what kind of knowledge of God's word could you have over the next five years if you devoted yourself? What, what, what kind of prayer life could you have? What kind of relationship with God could you have um, over the next five years? And then I want to add a second set of questions to this. And, and they're very big questions, I think. What, what one thing, if you were to change 
And I know that a lot of you are like, it's three weeks in, Danny, to the new year. I've already given up on my New Year's resolutions, right? I'm like, cash that chip in like in the first six days, right? But some of you uh, have a dream, have a vision for your life. And what's the one thing that if you were to put your energy and your soul and your heart into could make the biggest impact in your life? And the sort of second part of that question is, uh, it's going to boil down to this. What one habit, um, if you were to add to your life, um, would make the biggest impact in your life? For some of you, it might not be a habit you add. It might be some habits that you cut out of your life that would make the biggest difference in your life. Um, I think these are big questions, and I think they're clarifying what what matters most. And and I I say one thing instead of two or three or four things because a lot of us have this whole laundry list of things that we want to change in the new year. And the the multiplicity of the goals actually work against us because they divide our focus. And uh, and focus is huge if you're going to change um, your life. There's, there's this ancient Chinese proverb that says, that says, a man who chases two rabbits catches neither. You know what I'm saying? That there's a, when you divide your focus, you have a lot less chance of being successful. And so what's the one thing? What's the big thing? Start there. Make some small steps towards that end. Don't, don't get freaked out with, with how far you have to go. Just make the small right steps over, over the way. Now, in the core arenas of life, in terms of uh, of, of, of family and finances and morality and health and spirituality and friendship and profession and education. It's so important to get a clear vision uh, of what you want to, to see in your life. I'll give you an example. And I think, ladies, a lot of you will recognize this more clearly than guys because there's a point at which guys just give up and we just quit. And we don't care anymore, right? It, it's the middle of, picture yourself, ladies, it's the middle of February, maybe the middle of March. You're sick of the cold. You're sick of having a cold. You're sick of hacking your lungs up. You're stressed out. You're tired, and you want to go get to some sunshine. So you plan that ultimate beach vacation to Jamaica or, <clears throat> or to Corpus Christi because that's your budget right now. Can I get an amen? <laughs> like at the little cheesy hotel that you can pay by the hour even if you – but you just got to get into some sunshine and, and you're so happy about it. You book it. You're so happy about it. But then this little bit of horror crosses your mind when you realize, I got to go get a bathing suit and walk around in public in front of people in that thing. And you're like, and then all of a sudden, as you picture yourself in slow motion walking down, come on, like, like what's that old show, that TV show? Uh, anyways, I don't remember what it's called. It's not good anyways. I don't even plant that seed in the kids' minds. Um, but, but all of a sudden, the light bulb comes on, and you're like, I got to change some things, right? Right, that's that, that vision of, Dear God, I've gained some weight over the holidays, right? So, so, so guys are like, Psh, I don't even care anymore, dude. Look at me. I'm pitiful and I don't care, you know? <laughs> so, some of you are doing that thing on Facebook where you put a picture of yourself like 10 years ago, and then you put another picture of yourself now, and you realize that your face has grown by eight sizes <laughs> since like 10 years ago, and you're like, that picture becomes the motivation of your life that I got to stop eating bowls of Fruit Loops and Marshmallow Blasts at 10 o'clock at night. And oh, by the way, I realized that as I talked about Fruit Loops and Marshmallow Blasts last week, a lot of you didn't believe that was a real thing. You thought, they, they actually said, oh, I thought you were making that up. Like I'm up here just lying to folks up here. It's a real thing and it's delicious. I'm just telling you that coming at me like that. Vision, what I'm trying to say is vision is huge and vision brings clarity and vision is a huge motivator and it wakes you up in the morning and and without vision, the Bible says, people perish. Like I I love the way that Eugene Peterson translated this uh, in his paraphrase, the message. He says, this is Proverbs 29, 18. If people can't see what God is doing, and for some of us, it would be what God wants to do. 
If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to, when they pay attention to, when they get laser focus on what he reveals to them with, with a vision, they are what? Most blessed. Don't you want to be most blessed, somebody? I, I do. That, that's the thing. If we can't see what God is doing or what he wants to do in our lives over the next five years, we're just going to stumble ourselves uh, stuck at same. But if we can attend to, if we can get on board with, if we can create systems for what God reveals to us, we're going to be most blessed. And let, let me just say this, because some of us don't have a vision. We're just trying to survive day in and day out. I want you to know that God has a vision for your life, whether you do or not. And, and the way that we sort of... Um, we sort of translate that God's vision based on the scriptures is that God wants everybody to know him, right? And th these are the phrases we use, know God, that everybody, like, like if you have no other vision for this year than to know God, then that's good enough, right? And then the second one is to find freedom. And what we mean by that is to find freedom from your yesterdays, from your habits, from your hurts, from your hangups, from, from, from the stuff that's happened in your life. We're like, we call it settle your yesterdays. And we do that through life groups. That's the best way we know how to do that. And then the third phrase is discover purpose, like that God has wired you up, equipped you, gifted you, given you spiritual gifts to make a difference in this world, and we want to help you figure that. And then we do that at Growth Track. We do that the first Sunday of every month. It's just a 90-minute process that we help people figure out maybe what God's got for you to do. And then lastly, that, that after we've discovered our, our purpose, that we're supposed to leave our mark on this world. We're supposed to make a difference. That's the word we use. Make a difference. And, 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 and there is nothing that you will envision for your life. There is no vision that you might have for your life that is more important than, than, than you having the goal of knowing God more and, and, and drawing closer to him. And, and Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says, and all that other stuff, um, it'll follow closely behind that one most singular important decision of I, I need to know God. I need to have a relationship with God. There, there, there is no formula, I don't believe, for change. But, but, but I, I, I was thinking about this this week, and, and, and I'm getting ready to go somewhere, and, and, and this is the setup, okay? So just hang with me. Um, I was thinking about what, what if we had some, some guiding sentences or some guiding principles uh, to change. And so here, here's what I came up with, and I kind of borrowed pieces of it and then wrote it some pieces of myself. And here, here's what it says. The, the probability of change, and I put it on the screen for you, increases when we match a profound dis dissatisfaction about the way things are. Like when you, when you imagine yourself on the beach and the way things are right now, you're like, nope, can't do that. I got to do something about that. When, when, we, when we match a profound dissatisfaction about the way things are with a clear God-given, and clear means that you need to write it down, Right? With a, with a clear, God-given vision of the future, your future in five years, combined with a system or, or a pattern of habits that involves small, that's so important, small, dream big, start small, small incremental steps. And the reason we do small ones is because they give us a sense of hope, because we can do them. And they give us a sense of momentum or wins under our belt. Like, like I, I, I um, have in my entire life, especially as an adult, when I was a kid, I was like this big around. But as an adult, I've always been more than this big around. Can I just say it that way? And so whenever it's time to lose some pounds, there's nothing that motivates me more than getting on a scales and going, hey, I lost two pounds. And then I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm not going to eat that four donuts out in the lobby that I really want to eat because I got some momentum in my life. You know what I'm saying? Some of you can relate to that. I, I, think, I think what we've got on the screen here, uh, can, can we go back? Can we go back to that statement back? Can you, ooh, 
Rewind. Just pretend like it's happening up now. Um, I, I think that this statement is a good one, and I think it, it, it can be a guiding principle for you. And so I want to give you a message today that we're going to call, May the Force Be With You. Star Wars fans in the house today, any of you? Four of you. All right, May the Force Be With You. The, the thing about this, this, these, this set of words here is that most of these are are internal forces that you're going to have to have if you're going to make changes in your life. Um, they're, they're internal. They're, they're, they're happening inside of you. But I think that in order for us to become what God wants, what, what, what we want in our lives, we're going to also need some external forces, uh, I think, to change. Thus, may the force be with you. But here's the bad news. The data suggests that most of us will not change unless... There is a massive force that causes us to, that forces us to. Um, I want to give you something I've given you before, and one of our guest speakers recently gave this as well. Isaac Newton's first um, law of motion is the body at rest will stay at rest unless moved upon by an external force, right? This is called inertia. And then the second part of it is a body in motion will stay in motion in a straight line unless moved upon by an external force. That external force is necessary to change inertia. The, the point is, is that everything in the universe wants to keep doing whatever it's already doing. Have you noticed this? It doesn't want to change. Everything is resistant to change. That's inertia. And the word it's, inertia comes from the Latin word lazy or idle. Everything in the universe, Isaac Newton says, every object, everything is lazy, right? That's and some of you have kids and you're like, that's true. You know what I'm saying? Right? And, and, and it makes so much sense because our default mode is to stay wherever we are. Our native bent, our native instincts are, are not to change because the first law of motion states that everything's lazy, everything's idle. The truth is, now here's the bad news again uh, on top of the other bad news, is that most people in this room, according to the statistics, will not make changes in th- this year or in the next five years or really ever because it requires pain and discipline and work and time and grind and fierceness. And most of us can't do that over the long, long enough to create the, the change that we need. And, and once the emotion um, of, of a moment that propels us, once the new year, once we're in the third week, right, we're like, eh, never mind, I'm just going to go back and do what I did, right? We won't change unless we're moved on by an external force. And I can think of three external forces that, that facilitate change. Number one, inertia will have its way with us. Laziness, bad habits will have its way with us until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of making the change. That pain is an incredible motivating factor in our lives and a force for change. And without massive pain, most of us will not change. And by pain, I just mean the trouble that we find ourselves, the hot water that we find ourselves in over and over again because of bad habits or bad thinking or bad character. For instance, getting a house or a car foreclosed upon because we've not been disciplined in our givings, our, in, not our giving, in our, in our savings and our, our finances. I'm not talking about when you lose a job or bad things happen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about bad habits. I'm talking about getting really sick because of bad food and eating and exercise habits. Or, and then we're very sick and we have to go to the hospital or we have bad things happen to us. F- finding ourselves in real trouble relationally because we have some sketchy character issues that keep getting us in hot water with the people that we love. Or, or, or struggling in school, college or high school or middle school or wherever because of laziness or bad study habits. Eventually, the pain of that hot water, the pain that we keep going, man, I'm in trouble with the same thing again, has to be 
become greater than the pain of just going, you know what, I got I to change. Does that make sense? P pain forces us to dig deep, to confront things about ourselves that we don't like. Pain forces us to look at our deepest insecurities and come up with ways to overcome them. I, I love what C.S. Lewis famously said. Here's what he said. He said, we can ignore uh, even pleasures, but pain insists upon being attended to. And God uses pain. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a, a deaf world. And some of you are like, no, 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 my God is the warm and fuzzy God. That's the God I serve, the six-pound, eight-pound, six-pound, six eight-ounce baby Jesus. That's the one. I, no, 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 your God will inflict some pain in your life because the Bible says that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And by that way, that word means scourges. He spanks. Like some of you are like, not my God. Yes, your God. He will inflict pain on you, and if we work with him, he will never waste the pain that he inflicts on our lives to help us in the same way that we inflict pain on our own kids. However you do that, whatever your methods are, to get them to change directions. If, if we don't experience pain and suffering that goes along with the bad habits that we have, then we'll just assume, my life's good, good, good. There we go. I got it. It took like three tries. I, didn't know, I don't remember where that came from, but I like to say it like that, so give, it, give a brother a break, right? Pain teaches us to recognize our own worst ways and go, we can't keep doing that. The, the, the second thing that is, a, is an external force that can help us make change is inertia, bad habits, bad character, whatever, will have its way with us until some crisis occurs in our lives that forces us to change. I'm going to give you an example from my own life. About, I think it was about six years ago, um, that I went to a kidney doctor um, to, to see what was causing some issues that kept popping up in my labs and had for many years, and nobody could figure out why. And, and, and I had been to a lot of doctors, and I couldn't get an answer. And at the end of this, this guy, he's like House. Like, remember that show House? This guy was like House, and he's like, you have a genetic kidney disease, and you will need a kidney transplant in five or ten years, or you'll probably die, or you'll spend the rest of your life on dialysis. Crisis! You know what I'm saying, right? Woo! Got my attention right now. Well, what do I do, Doc? What can I do? What can I do? Well, you can't do anything to fix this, but if you want to slow it down, you're going to have to change your diet. You're going to have to lose some weight. You're going to have to get healthier, and it could slow that down. Six months later, I went back. I had had a biopsy to prove that what he said was true. I went back. I was down 44 pounds. I was in the best shape of my life. I was swimming a mile a day on on, on, on many, many days, I was working out, I was cycling, and I came in there, and he looked at me, and he went nuts. He was like, no way, like literally, and he gets, he goes, come, come here, come here, come here, and he takes me out through his offices, and he's like, look at this guy, everybody. He's like opening door for patients who are just waiting for him to show up, and he's like, <laughs> like look at this guy right here, and I'm like, what the heck is going on right now? And he's like, see this guy? He's proof that you can change. He's like yelling, you can change your life. And I was like, well, you told me I was going to die. And he's like, <laughs> this is what he said. He said, I tell people every day they're going to die if they don't change, and they never do. And it was unbelievable. He, un he goes, I'm cynical, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm cynical. I'm a, I was like, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm cynical too, man. I tell them they got to change or they're going to go to hell. And they're like, oh, well, how hot could it be? You know what I'm saying? How hot could it be? <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm just tickled by my... I need a moment to laugh a little bit. All right. 
It's starting to feel like hell up in here. It's getting hot. (laughs) Take off my sweater, man. Uh, Anyways, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, crisis. The the idea, though, is that crisis is an external force that can bump you out of the way. But if you don't change your heart, if you don't change your mind, if you don't establish new patterns and new rhythms, you'll just go right back um, to the same. Matter of fact, there's this guy, Tony Schwartz. He has this book, The, The Way We Are Working Isn't Working. He says, even after a heart attack, only one out of every seven patients makes an any enduring change around eating or exercise. Only one in seven after a heart attack. They just go ahead and go, I'd rather die than, than not eat ribeyes every second. You know what I'm saying? It, it, crisis is an external force that can push us out. And here's the thing about change is it hurts, and we don't like it. And, and because fasting's hard, can I get a witness? And, and so is saving money instead of spending it. And so is going picking up heavy things at gymnasiums with other people who are way more fit than us, right, and are selfing the whole time. They're like, hey, selfie. <laughs> Dude, just settle down and take a picture later, bro. You're going to drop that on somebody. You know what I'm saying? And, and we, could, we, could, we, could, we could muster up the energy if there were a crisis. But, but aren't we better than just having to have pain inflicted upon us and crises occur in our lives? Aren't we better than that? So we're like, nope. All right, I, I get you. I feel you. I, I want to argue today, and this is where we're going to land, that there's a third way. There's a third way. There's a third external force that can be applied to your life that can help I'm in, and I'm going to call this the right people, that you need the right people in your life. I, I, let me give you, for instance, you ever, you ever try to lose weight or go on a diet in your house, alone in your house, like nobody else is doing it but you? Come on, can I get an amen on this, how hard that is? Like, like you're sitting at dinner time, you know, cutting your grass and your couple seeds, <laughs> right? Trying to, like, like trying to make it last... And, and your husband's cutting open a two-inch ribeye that he smoked on the grill, wrapped in bacon and mashed potatoes with cheese and a side of sausage. You know what I'm saying? And, and you're dying a little bit on the inside from starvation. And so is he. Like, you can actually hear his arteries closing up shop. Like, we're out. We're done. We're not going to do this anymore, right? A- after dinner, like, you're cutting your two little blueberries for dessert, Right? <laughs> And this brother's over there cutting a slab of, of triple seven-layer chocolate cake with chocolate sauce and, 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 and a side of bluebell ice cream. Not like a scoop, like a side of bluebell ice cream. Come on, you guys know what I'm saying right now? And three days later, you have a bad day at work. And when you get home, you, you eat a whole pot roast and seven stale slices of that same old cake. And you're like, I'm out. Too hard to do this all by myself. Anybody know what I'm saying right now? Dieting's hard, but you got to have some help in that deal. And any journey of change will have to necessarily involve the support of others. But, but not just any bodies, the right bodies, the right people is the third external force. Because change is hard under the very best of circumstances. But changing all alone, simply by your own willpower and won't power, is almost impossible. I'm going to argue for the remainder of this message that without the right people, that third external force... You will stay the same as you are right now five years from now. I'm going to give you a statement that I've heard my whole life, and I used to fight against it because I didn't like it. I didn't like, the, I didn't like that, that the way it was making me think about some of the people I had in my life. But it's so true. Uh, the statement is, you show me your friends, and I will show you your future. And the idea is simply that you, that you become the sum total of the friends, the, the people that you hang around with the most. And, and Proverbs 13 bears this out. Solomon, the, the wise, says... Walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools, for a companion of fools suffers harm. 
Companion of fools is just going to keep you walking down. A body in motion stays in motion in a straight line unless it's bumped into by an external force. Companion of fools suffers harm. If you hang around those who are passionate and faith-filled and positive, then chances are over time their, their passion, their, their positivity, their, 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 their good spirits, their right attitudes are going to rub off, and you're going to become positive, and you're going to become faith-filled, and you're going to become uh, passionate about it. But you hang around people who are critical. Always taking shots, bad attitudes, negative. You're going you're gonna to become that way. You show me your friends. If you say, what am I going to look like in five years? I'm going to go, let me see your, friends, your friendship circle. I'm going to show you who you're going to be in five years. You're going to be the sum total of those people. And I didn't love that, but it's true. The, the idea, of course, is that we need the right people in our lives to help us get we go, where we want to go in almost any arena of life. Change Long-term change won't be, won't, be, uh, won't be possible without the help of other people, and particularly the right people who can hold us accountable, who can support us, who can speak life into us, who can give us correction. Matter of fact, I did some research this week. The American Society of Training and Development did a study recently on accountability, which is so imperative to making and change, and found that you have a 65% chance of completing a large goal if you commit it to somebody, meaning if you sit down and say, listen, I'm going to read the Bible through, this, this, the entire Bible this year, and I need your help. You have a 65% chance, a better chance, if you just take that one step of telling it to somebody. Now, if you have a specific and regular accountability appointment, meaning you're meeting with these people regularly to help, to support, to talk about the failures, the, fail, the, the struggles, and the wins, they said the data suggests that you will increase your chance of success by up to 95%. So last week I told you that the data says that 9 out of 10 of us will fail on our New Year's resolutions. And this in, inverts the math and says that you have a 95% chance of success if you'll just involve the right people in your journey. That's huge. And of course, it's biblical. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He says two are better than one, right? Because they have a good return for their labor. Now, he's not talking about donuts, all right? Two donuts are not better than one. Just FYI. He says, verse 10, if either of them falls down, one of them can help the other one back up, right? But pity the fool, Mr. T quotes this. That's the Mr. T translation. Pitiful anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Then he goes, and one better, a cord of three is not quickly broken. Solomon, um, the Bible says, was the wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus. His writings are full of solid and straightforward advice like this. Wise people listen to counsel. Fools, he says, don't. Wise people live and experience the fullness of life. Fools don't. Wise people accept the fact that they're going to need other people to come along beside them to help them make it to the right destinations. Fools say, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. I don't need any help. I'm a self-made man. I got this. P Pity the fool, Solomon says, right? Wise people know you're going to need other people, the right people, to help you. A couple of verses, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. A wise man will hear. He's already wise, but he'll hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will, inquire, will acquire wise. He'll, he'll get people around him to give him wisdom. Proverbs 11:14, 14. Where there is no guidance, the people fall or they fail, right? But in the abundance of counselors, in the abundance of right people, there is what? There is, come on, say it with me, there is victory. Proverbs 15, 22, without consultation, plans are frustrated. That's what happens year after year. 
They're frustrated, but with many counselors, they, they succeed. I guarantee you that if you take a realistic look uh, through your life's history, your story, every time you had a surge in personal growth or, or financial growth or career growth, there was somebody else along beside you who was helping you do that. Somebody who opened doors, somebody who brought together the dream, somebody who helped finance a dream. You didn't get where you are all alone. Can I get an amen, somebody? Your life has evolved through the people that God has placed in your life to come alongside you. And God is always trying to add to your life the right people. Always trying to add to your life the right people. The right people in your life are going to hold you accountable. They're going to encourage. They're going to be friends. They're going to help you get up when you fail or fall. And they're going to kick your rear when you're straying off the path. You know what I'm saying? Like if you don't have anybody in your life that's going, bruh, that's wrong. You're wrong for that. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know why I just said it like that, but I just felt like it was the right way to go. Like, you need to stop, and you need to turn and go the other way. If you don't have anybody like that in your life, chances are you're just going to keep going in a straight line until something external bumps into you and forces you off. And yet, here's the truth about it. As a country, we are richer than ever for, for the most part. We have more material blessings than we've ever had. But the truth is, is that we've become relationally impoverished because the only way we know how to relate to people is on our phones. I know that's the way that people do it nowadays. I don't mean it's the best way. Come on, somebody. And, and, and the truth is, is that most of us don't have many or any right people in our lives. And yet throughout the Bible, we are giving these mandates, this context of, of, of one another's that requires the right people in our life. Galatians 6 and 2 says we're told to bear one another's burdens. Like, like, I don't know about you, but there are times in your life that are going to be so hard for you to stand. You won't be able to stand on your own. You, you, ever, you ever seen somebody lay on a bed of nails? You ever seen that where you're like, whoa, that looks terrible. Now, let me tell you what. The part, the, the, all those nails are individually carrying the weight of that person. But if that same person laid on one nail, brother's got an extra hole in his backside. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sister, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's going to puncture you. That's going to leave, that's going to leave, not so much here, it's going to leave a mark, you know, right, right there, right? It's going to leave a mark. But when you, when, when it's bearing, when multiple things are bearing the weight of you, that's what Galatians says. We're told to help bear the weight when the hard times come in our lives. We're told in James 5 to confess our sins to one another. In another place, we're told to accept one another. In another place in Ephesians, we're told to, to speak the truth or confront the, each other with the truth and love. We need right people in our lives for any of this to happen. It's God's plan. It's how he moves us. It's how he moves us from here to there. He moves us with right people. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 24, he says this. He says, and I love this verse, and you've heard me teach it a lot of times if you've, if you've been here for a while. He says, and let us consider how we may spurs one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, he could have said to rocket one another on to, or maverick or Lakers, but he said spurs one another on. It's because God is, in fact, a Spurs fan. You know what I'm saying? Just, it's in the Bible. Uh, it's not a doubt. I'm going to say it every time I read this verse. Just if y'all are like, dude, you've already said that joke. I'm going to say it every time. Just stay with me. What the writer is saying here is that, that we should have the kind of people in our lives who are actually carving out some time, not just to think about ourselves or, or about our own problems, but to consider, to help imagine, how can I help encourage my friend? How can I spur them on toward love and good deeds and, and righteous living? How do I do that? That, 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 that the Proverbs 27 says that iron sharpens iron. 
that, and, 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 and the context of that is that good people will help sharpen one another. I won't let you drift off the path if I'm a good, right person in your life, and you won't let me do it either. If your current friendships never have sparks of iron, sparking against iron, and I'm not talking about romantic ones, y'all. Come on, somebody. That's another time, another sermon. It, it, come back in February. We talk about that. Uh, if, if none of your friends have iron in their, in their backbone, so that they, they push back in, on something you say or do or think, man, it might be time to look for some friends in faith who have a backbone to say, dude, no, man, that's not the way to go. Um, and you're like, well, I don't really want anybody to tell me that. Well, then you're just going to keep going in the same way, you, inertia, and lazy is going to take you the way it's going. So, so, so do you have anyone in your life? who's willing to press on you to exert some external pressure uh, in your life uh, to help you get out of your inertia? Do you have anyone in your life like that? Friends in faith. Friends who are going in your same direction. Friends who believe like you believe, who share your convictions, right? And I don't have to agree with everything you do or you have to agree with everything. I'm just saying that generally speaking, they're going, this is what God's word says. This is how we're going to live our lives. If you don't have like anybody like that, who's going to encourage you when it's hard? Who's going to help you pick up when you fall if you don't have? Now, some of you are going, looking at me and going, I don't have any friends in faith. And I would say back to you, it's time to find some friends in faith, some friends like that. And, and, and sincerely, I don't know of a better way to do that than to get on a team here at LifePoint. I, I sincerely don't. I, I know that people come and go week in, week out, and they never make connections. Um, but there's no better way to make a connection than to jump on a team or to, or to get involved in, in, in a life group. And we're launching those over the next few weeks. You can plug in. You can get online. You can go out today as they're leaving. There's all these people wearing these blue shirts that say something about life groups. They, they're leading groups, a lot of them. And they'll tell you about their group. And you can do that on, on, on our website. You can do it on our app. You can do it out in the lobby today. But, but here's another truth. The friends that God has for you won't come into your life unless you start friending them. Because, see, here's the thing about it. Because of the way that we interact with people on, on, on phones and, and whatever else, and we're swiping left and we're swiping right and we're swiping up and we're swiping down, people in America today don't know how to make friends anymore. It's, it's true. And so you're like, I got 1,463 friends. Come on, man. You just make fun of all those people. Come on, somebody. Be honest. Or you're jealous of them because they're showing you their highlight reel and you think that's their real life. And it's not. It's their fake life. Anyways, um, Proverbs 18, 24, Solomon says, a man who has friends must himself, I thought somebody was coming at me. I was like, whoa. Come on, man. I'm preaching. I got to go back to my sermon. A little jumpy. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Where's my friends at? Help my brother out. My friends, the ushers and the security guys. Where's the cops? Come on. You know, sorry, Gil. Just pat over there quietly. I didn't mean to call attention to you. He's like, sucker. Anyways, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. I'm going to give you a perfect example of this. My wife and I were talking to this uh, wonderful lady last week about her story. Um, and, and she said, hey, listen, a couple of years ago, we used to come to this church, and then we quit. I said, well, why'd you quit? Uh, we always want to know that because we want to get better. We're, we don't, we're not perfect. We're a long way from perfect. We want to get better. 
And, and she said, well, we didn't make any friends and, and nobody connected to us. I said, oh, wow, I'm so sorry. T- tell me what your story looked like because I want to I come up with some solutions to that. So well, what was the rhythm like? Well, it was like, well, we'd come in a little bit late uh, every week. Okay, so everybody was already here. All right, what, 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 well, then what happened? Well, you know, we go to church, we listen, and it was great. And then at the end, we would wait till you said, bow your heads, everybody. And then we'd be like, come on, let's go. And they were like, let's go get the kids. We wouldn't get in the line. That's not a pro tip, by the way. Don't do that today, right? Um, and I was like, oh, so you just left before we even dismissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then you just got in your car and left. And I said, okay, well, um, help me understand. Like, how was anybody supposed to know you? And, and she went, oh, yeah, yeah. So I guess... And I was just kind of being jokey. I was like, were we supposed to chase you out in your car? I'm like, here I am, Shrek. I'm your donkey. I'm going to follow you home no matter where you go. You know? And she just cracked up like, like you just got, did right there. And I said, well, why did you come back? And she said, well, truth is, is we were in big trouble. Our, we were going to get a divorce. Our kids were in turmoil um, because of, 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 the, of the problems that we were having together. And we just thought, well, let's give this one shot. Let's go back to church. And so we came. And I said, well, then what happened? And they said, well, when we came back, it was not long after that. It was this past fall when uh, you were talking about groups. And we're like, well, let's join one of those freedom groups. Um, We do these freedom groups, which are, by the way, life-changing. And she said we went there and we found a whole community of people who were like us and who had some of the same stuff going on or had been through some of the same stuff. And and, and over the time with the curriculum and with the interaction and the community that we built, we met incredible friends and before long, we realized we really did love each other. And we really did want to fight for our marriage. And, and before long, God had done some miraculous things in our marriage. And, and God had done incredible things. Our eldest started going to, uh, to, to LP students on Sundays. And, and he got his life changed there. And it was incredible. He was like, how do I get involved? And our middle kid was like, hey, you know, I like Danny. And I want to be like Danny. Like, I was like, whoa, that's cool, you know. Like, I'm like, you probably don't, bro. Trust me, you know. And I want to be a preacher and all this stuff. And it was so amazing. And, and I was just sitting there, sitting there thinking, here's a person who said, you know what? If that's what we're, if, if what, what it looks like for us to change our lives is, is to let other people in, then that's what we'll do. And they did it and their lives were changed. And, and I bring all that up to say this. I've never seen a friendly person who has been consistently lonely. I, I've, I've never seen a bitter person who was lonely. I'm sorry, I've only, I said that all backwards. I've never seen a friendly person who was consistently lonely. I've seen bitter people who were lonely. I've seen judgmental, self-righteous people who were lonely. But I've never seen a friendly person who didn't have any friends. And what the, what, what, what the Proverbs, the, Solomon is saying is that if you want to have friends, you got you to gotta plug in. You got to do the things. There's this incredible representation of this, and I'm done, in Acts chapter 2 the very first Christian church where all of this was at play. And by the way, this is what we're trying to do right here. I'm going to read to you. And I'm not going to read every verse because I don't have time. I'm over time right now. But it says in verse 42 of chapter 2 that they devoted themselves, these new believers. And it wasn't a half-baked thing. It wasn't a toe in the water. It was, they went all in. And they devoted themselves to the teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And in other words, it was a community of believers whose center was Christ, not soccer, not neighborhood associations. It was centered around this idea of everybody was filled with awe. And many wonders and many signs were performed by the apostles. And by the way, 
yesterday. There's about 50 of us gathered here for prayer. And we made a declaration over this church uh, for 2019. We planted a seed in the soil of 2019 that this church is going to experience the miraculous, the miracle, powerful, working hand of the Holy Spirit at work in our church. We planted that seed. We're believing God to, to save people in unprecedented ways, to deliver people in unprecedented ways, to heal people, to strengthen marriages. We planted that seed. And maybe you're not on board with that, but I'm telling you, we're going to have that happen in our church. We're going to see God do incredible things just like they did, just like they did. And many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles and all the believers don't miss this. We're together and had everything in common. And you want to see love at work in, in, in the church? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. In other words, you're in our family and, and you don't go without because we're family. Even if you're struggling, we're going to come alongside of you. And that's exactly what we're saying to you today. If you're struggling, we want to come alongside of you. And then verse 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. That's a picture of people who say, you know what? In 2019, I'm not coming once a month or once, twice or three or three times a year to gather on Sundays. Every time I'm able, I'm going to be in God's house because that's, that's the vision. I want to see what God can do in my life. If I gave one year of my life to doing the stuff that we do, what could that look like? And, and then it says... Um, they were together, and they had uh, everything in common. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I missed. I went too high back. They broke bread in their homes. That's a picture of people gathering together with the right people in, in, a, in a life group. That's what we do. We eat, and we talk about stuff. And then they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And this is the church that God sees, and this is the church that we see, the church that looks like this. I want to tell you this emphatically. You may be one community away from changing the entire course of your life, just like that person that we talked to last week. One decision, I'm going to come to church. Second decision, I'm going to get the right people involved in my life. And the entire trajectory of her life and her family's life changed. And you might be the same person in this place today. One little community away, but you don't stumble into it by accident. You make a decision. That's the vision of my life. I'm going to do what I can to do that. And, and, and if you're not in a small group, you need to be in a small group. If you don't have people around you loving you, helping you, encouraging you to sort of spread the weight of your life around, to hold you up when you're weak, you're going to struggle. But that third force is the right people. But bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to, I want to get us out of here. I want to pray. And, and I just want to say, as you're just sitting there, just sort of maybe thinking, not, not necessarily about what's next, but, but right now. There's one thing that I think can change your life, not only this year, but forever. And that is to give your heart and your life to Jesus. Like to go all in with him. And, and, the, and, the, and the issue is, why not? Why, why not let 2019 be the, the, the year that you went all in for God? And, and if, if that's you and you're like, man, I want to go all in. I want to give my life to Jesus or I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want you just to slip up your hands real quick. Just slip them up all over the place. Thank you. Thank you, several hands. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God sees that hand, and we're going to pray for you real quick. I, I want to talk to a second set of you, which is those of you who maybe have a toe in the water of, of your faith, but you're not all in yet. I want to tell you, one, one toe in and the rest of you out will not work. It will not work. It will create a malformed faith in you, and you will think that faith doesn't work, and it does. It does. you got to go all in. Why not let this year be the year that you say yes to groups and yes to prayer and yes to growth track and yes to whatever God calls you to do? Why not be this year? Let it be your year. Lord, I come to you on behalf of those folks who raise their hands. They want to recommit or they want to give you their heart and their life for the very first time, Lord Jesus. What a, what a Savior we have that you would come and die on a cross for us. 
pay the price of our sins, past, present, and future sins. You, you paid the price once and for all. So that if we would just invite you in, Lord, to, to become the Lord of our lives, to become the leader of our hearts, to, to become the healer of the broken places in us, the, the, the things that we're ashamed of, to, to, to deal with those once and for all, Lord Jesus, that you could become today Lord and Savior. We could change our entire life, not only in the life here, but the life that is to come eternally by saying, Lord, we choose to follow you. My heart and my life, I give it to you. Every part of me, Lord, become the forgiver of my sins. Become the healer of my broken places. Become my guide and my Lord and my Savior. I will follow you all the days of my life.